Hey guys, it's Derek. We're back on the podcast. Today we have a special guest. Today we are sitting down with E.C. Sinkowski. E.C. is the founder of Optimize Me Nutrition, the former program manager for CrossFit Inc., a certified CrossFit Level 4 coach, and overall a brilliant, badass woman who I am so excited to share her knowledge and expertise with you guys. Um, today we were experiencing a little bit of issues with the mic, so please forgive the audio quality in case there's any problems. Uh, but the message is there, the information is there, and I really think you guys are going to be able to take home some practical, digestible steps to move you in the right direction as it relates to your nutrition. So without further ado, let's get into the podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to Ballistic Performance Radio. This is episode 21, and we are here with E.C. Sinkowski. And E.C., I'm going to let you take a second here to tell everyone a little bit about who you are, what you do, and why you do it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on, Derek. So E.C. Sinkowski and I run Optimize Me Nutrition, which is a B2B and B2C kind of nutrition education company. So I help both businesses and consumers answer all of those nutrition questions they have and get them on a path to see results, you know, health, performance, fitness. Awesome. And you have an extensive background and we're going to dive into that a little bit, but uh, let's just, let's go into, let's start off, you know, what, what got you into the fitness field? How did you first even approach this industry? Was it something you went to school for? Or was it something you were passionate about and turned it into a living or tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I think just growing up, I was always active and I don't really know why, but, you know, played sports teams, all that stuff, like to be competitive. Um, and then so when I got to college, just, you know, needed to still be active and so trained a lot. You know, I was one of the probably few women at the time that were doing strict pull-ups and benching <laughs> in, the, in the gym, right? Um, and also doing some of the traditional other stuff as well, but always really active and, and doing it with intensity. And I just kept that up, even then with my first career with environmental consulting and, um, I just remember I was like, oh my God, I have to find something else besides this, this traditional routine. And my brother stumbled into the CrossFit website and he's like, you got to try this. So I eventually went to CrossFit Boston, but that was, that was January 2nd, 2006. So pretty early in the CrossFit community. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. And obviously I know that. And I think a lot of our, a lot of our listeners probably are newer to the point where they would have no clue you know, what was going on in 2006. I wasn't even around until 2012. So, uh, yeah. you know, back then it was a whole different ballgame than what it is now, obviously. And so is your brother still doing it? No, and he never formally did CrossFit. He's always done some of the underground strength stuff and okay. some of the kind of, um, and he also runs his own jujitsu gym. So he's always done some functional fitness stuff, but I don't think he's ever done, you know, CrossFit as CrossFit per se. He didn't drink the Kool-Aid and uh, breathe the fire like you did right away. Yeah, no, but I mean, he's got rings in his house and he's got a, you know, deadlift bar, et cetera. So he's not hey, too far off. <laughs> close enough. Close enough. All right. So how did you go from just dabbling in CrossFit and probably like everybody did back then going to main site, following the workouts to getting involved in the company and working for HQ? Yeah. So, um, I kind of love those early memories about old CrossFit community in 2006, cause it's, it's really funny for people who came up in the games era or, you know, the late games era, there weren't all these CrossFit events, you know, people didn't know what CrossFit was. There was less than 50 affiliates. Um, not even every state had one. So if you wanted to do something CrossFit besides go to your gym, you went to the level one. That was the only event they had. <laughs> that was the only thing to do. And so I was, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid in Boston at CrossFit Boston. And I went to level ones. I went to Santa Cruz on my own dime. I went to Toronto. I went to Pittsburgh. I went to Ann Arbor. I went just on my own dime to be there and be part of the community. And yeah. that's ultimately, of course, what led me into the seminar staff. They're like, I think this woman likes this. <laughs> <laughs> She's showing up a lot she's still here but you know I laugh about it and it's true but other people were doing that too you know I wasn't the only one because again there was nothing else to do there weren't local competitions competitions wasn't even a thing you know yeah yeah it was very different landscape than what you have now and I mean now to get into seminar staff you're talking you know probably countless emails three interns all <laughs> kinds of things before you even get the shot so 
Very totally. cool. And now once totally. you got involved, you know, you started out, I'm assuming, just going, doing level ones, assisting in that way, and then eventually climbed the ladder into the position that you were when you left, which was program manager, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah, so I kind of had two roles, uh, two technically job titles, I guess, uh, flow master or whatever, seminar staff, and then um, program manager. So the whole weekend seminar gig was entirely separate from my week during the work. Now, they weren't separate in terms of, of course, they related because it was all CrossFit training. But yeah, the program manager was much more administrative. You know, what does it look like to scale this program as CrossFit grew? How do we <laughs> rewrite or update the curriculum? How do we train our trainers? How do we track trainer performance? How do we translate into 17 languages? How do we get this accredited? So just a lot of different stuff that I don't think people totally see, you know, when they go to CrossFit.com, they're like, ah, oh, they have a seminar. And it's like, yeah, there's a huge engine that helps that run. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's... <laughs> That's the lifeblood of everything that's happening. And unfortunately, no, like you said, no one sees it. So it probably gets overlooked quite a bit. Now, did you find yeah. it challenging running or handling both of those responsibilities, kind of separating yeah, so, the two? Yeah, I, I actually thought it was great to stay on seminar staff only because so many things that we had to enact um, you know, had to be so close, closely tied to the seminar. And like, does this policy make sense from a registration standpoint? Does this make sense from my customer standpoint? So I felt it really helped to stay in the mix. But because my weekday job, my Monday to Friday was was pretty demanding, I, I carried a seminar load that was less than other flow masters for sure. Gotcha. So kind of by the end, I probably was doing 10 seminars a year where some were still doing 50 a year or still are, you know? Yeah, yeah like Chuck. <laughs> so um, I definitely, I was probably on seminar staff one of the longest, but also didn't necessarily have the highest seminar total by the time I left. <laughs> and that's okay. I mean, you, you're balancing too, like you said, and it's kind of the best of both worlds, right? You're the boots on the ground and your some of the higher administrative positioning that's going on and helping like you said shape everything so it probably was the best for sure awesome and then so throughout that time obviously you're giving lectures you're talking about nutrition in these seminars and you're you're seeing how you can intertwine nutrition into the crossfit certifications and the and the seminars but when did you really start to take a greater interest in nutrition and realize like this is something i'm really passionate about and want to explore Yeah, I actually think it was there kind of all along. Um, My undergrad is in biochem engineering and then my first master's has a focus in genetics. So some of my favorite classes um, were orgochem, you know, and biochem and that stuff. So I always had this really strong interest in biology. And then of course my hobby was working out. So I feel like nutrition's always sort of been there for me, right? And kind of just curious, all the stuff that you hear, is this really it or is this right? And so I think it was always there and then CrossFit only accelerated further because they put such a foundation on, on nutrition and it was like, yeah, you really can't do this fitness thing without it, right? So I think CrossFit only further advanced my interest in it <laughs> and then had a really profound impact in the sense of just application. I think that's one of the things that's so powerful about CrossFit is we can talk a lot about mechanisms and the physiology and all of the details hormonally and all that stuff, but they really are like, hey, just do X and you're going to see results. And so I think that also, well, I know it also kind of shaped my interest in nutrition as well. It's like, wow, we can do some really basic things and see some really big improvements. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's huge. I think the way you just phrase it is perfect. Like you do this one thing or these two or three things and that's it. There doesn't need to be this overcomplification of the entire process. People don't need to know the physiology and the, and the biochemistry behind it. They just need to know what to do, why they need to do it and execute on it. So I think that's perfect. I can actually remember getting into CrossFit 2012-ish and started going back and digging into a lot of the old videos, you know, of of everyone giving these lectures. And I probably watched Glassman give the What is CrossFit lecture like 15 times because I was in undergrad at the time for exercise science. And oh, I thought, yeah. I thought, I don't know who this guy is, but he is a genius. <laughs> <laughs> and because what you're learning in the classroom is completely different from what's actually being applied out there, especially through CrossFit. And, yeah. uh, and then I remember watching some of your old nutrition lectures and I, I thought the same thing. I was like, I don't know who this girl is, but she's oh, jacked man. and she knows a lot about <laughs> nutrition. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, I think Greg, you know, really has done some amazing things to state it quite obviously, but I think what people underestimate, and I sure did um, about nutrition, I remember going to my first level one and, you know, Greg was still giving all the lectures and you hear eat meat, vegetables, nuts and seeds. And I honestly was sitting there thinking, that's it, you know, and it's, and it's, I even have the same reaction and I'm, I'm not trying to compare myself to Greg, but I have the same reaction when people hear about the 800 gram challenge. And it's really when people have a lot of clarity about a system is when they can come up with a very simple solution, right? And so I, and that's what I really try to emulate with some of my nutrition stuff, because I think, you know, CrossFit's nailed it on the fitness front. And they also, you know, have a nutrition, but of course they are a fitness program. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, it's this idea that we have over complicated stuff and there is a simpler way to say and do it. Um, and so I definitely have been influenced heavily by that. Yeah. I think that's awesome. You, like you said, you have to have the expertise and the knowledge and the experience to be able to disseminate something that is extremely complex into something that's super manageable and digestible for the general public. You know, I think it, totally. I think it was actually Kelly Starrett. That's maybe he said it to me or somewhere along the lines, maybe a video, but he always used to say that you have to take the knowledge of a PhD and disseminate it down to like a kindergartner or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. Maybe it was totally. you or Austin that said it to me, but someone at Boston and, yeah. uh, I that stuck with me forever because I think that's yeah. exactly what has to happen. Exactly. Well, awesome. And so then once once you got to the point where you thought, okay, they've got something going with the fitness side of keeping it simple and delivering it to people in a in a digestible way, when did you decide that, hey, I want to pursue this with the nutrition and really step away and make this a full time thing? Yeah, I wish that was a linear answer, but I'll keep it as short as possible. Um, so I actually had continuing education requirements. So for us to be accredited um, CrossFit program accredited, some of our senior staff had to have a continuing education requirements. So I was like, I don't know what to take. Uh, so I started a master's. <laughs> I started my second master's because it qualified and it was nutrition and we had nutrition influence and I was interested in it and all that stuff. Of course, with the idea that I could always quit, like but I didn't, right? And I, I think it was like, oh yeah, this is something that I really like and this is something I'm really interested in. Um, so as I was finishing up that master's, it was hard. I was taking probably my most favorite class in immunology and I was still working full time. I was still doing seminars and I was like, hey, I just can't be doing this. You know, so I think it was just sort of, you know, forced into a decision where I knew that, you know, as much as I loved my position at CrossFit, it was time to do something else. Mm -hmm. um, combined with the fact that I wanted to be taking my immunology course and pass that along with some other things. So I just <laughs> resigned. Um, and I, I started optimizing nutrition with a different business model as well. I started with the idea that I was going to do one-on-one -on -one consulting and people with autoimmunity and um, hormonal imbalance and GI distress and all these other more specific health concerns. And then I, I did that briefly. And I, I realized that that wasn't my jam. Like, I really wanted to beat the drum on the basics. And so I've also switched my business model <laughs> since starting as well. So I think I left CrossFit with a different image in mind, um, but that doesn't mean that it was the wrong decision. Right. And you've got to test the waters to figure out what, like you said, what is your jam? And if you don't try all these different things, you're not going to know. And right, right. I, exactly. <laughs> and I think too, that's an approach a lot of people are taking right now is to go super niche and hone in on that very specific population and maybe it is one-on-one -on -one or whatever kind of approach you're taking or whatever kind of model you're taking but there's definitely something to be said about helping the general population and going that route as well so i think it's cool you're able to kind of adapt and uh and thrive from there well thank you i mean what is it what's the phrase fail fast fail earlier whatever i'm gonna get it so, wrong <laughs> when you're a startup when you're a startup you got to figure out what not to do pretty fast so <laughs> yeah yeah exactly it's like gary fee says like speed is everything or speed there is, you go uh but well that's that's awesome i had no idea that you actually switched the model so that's cool and that kind of takes us into you know what what is optimize me nutrition now what what's your mission what's the goal yeah, I really want to give people um, clarity in nutrition and confidence in what they're doing is right and will get them the results they wanted. Um, and so I just try to do that through education. Um, and that's why I have both B2B and B2C products. Um, obviously, I have some traction within the CrossFit space. Those are my people. So, um, you know, I would say that probably my niche is a little bit kind of the gym population crowd more so than just true straight gen pop. But um, yeah, it's offering solutions for gyms and for individuals to get a plan that really works for them without the gimmicks and without all the noise and to help explain the noise. I think 
that's one of the things that kind of drove me crazy for so long. It was like, well, wait a minute, why is this diet work and this diet work, right? So trying to help people understand that while also giving them that plan forward. Awesome. I, I think, and that's what people want, right? Or at least that's what we think people want is to, to cut through the noise and to give them a plain and simple solution, even though the mechanisms behind it aren't simple. They want it to be approachable. They want it to be manageable. And, and that's really where we've seen a lot of connection with our clients. And I'm sure you have with, with everyone you work with is the simpler it is, the better it is. And they're still getting the substantial results. Totally. And then I think though, with that comes this realization and, you know, again, cross, it's a great model for it, but like simple doesn't mean easy. Um, so it's bringing truth to the message that is simple, being able to back that up with science, knowledge, experience, whatever, but then also being like, and now it's also hard work on this simple message and being truthful about that. Like, Hey, you want to lose 10 pounds? This is actually hard in our modern food environment where there's all these distractions, right? (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. We talk about that all the time, Ashley and I, and you know, it's sometimes you're not, people aren't adequately prepared mentally or physically to take on maybe what you are asking them or what something else is asking them. And having that conversation is really important of like, hey, this is not a quick fix. This is not going to be that magic pill that you want it to be. It's going to be hard and it's going to take a lot of time and a lot of lifestyle modification to, to get us to where we need to go. Exactly. Yep. Well, awesome. And so you obviously through optimized nutrition have implemented this 800 gram challenge and lazy macros as you call it so mm-hmm. talk to us a little bit about that you know where did the 800 grams come from um what are some you know what's some of the the science behind it what's the the purpose of utilizing that for the general population yeah so the 800 gram challenge is to eat 800 grams by weight of fruits and vegetables each day it doesn't matter which fruits and veggies you pick and doesn't matter if you weigh it cooked canned frozen or fresh and so what happened was uh during my masters my nutrition masters um i was actually playing with a couple different ideas of like how do you measure quality in the diet and i was trying a couple different things one was i was even tracking potassium in my fitness pal because that's high in fruits and veggies um but micronutrient data is pretty poor and trying something else. And then I came across this study um, that looked at fruit and vegetable consumption relative to health outcomes. And what they found is that when people ate 800 grams of fruits and vegetables each day, their risk of cardiovascular disease, cancer, um, stroke, all-cause mortality all went down. And I immediately was like, I think that's it. That's a really elegant idea. But of course you have to like test it out. (laughs) So I actually spent about six months doing it myself, like, hey, what if I eat 800 grams? What does this look like? What is the volume? What is the carbohydrates? What are the calories? Is this realistic? What are the rules I put around it? What's allowed? What's not allowed? Because, you know, what I put as rules are not necessarily what they found in the study, right? Right. Um, Like I allowed beans and they weren't actually counting beans, whatever. Um, So I kind of had to play it out for a while, make sure that it made sense. And I also compared it to a lot of other research that's out there to make sure that it was still in line with things like the USDA and... (laughs) So yeah, once that all checked out, I was like, hey, this is a really cool way to kind of intro people or softball pitch people into nutrition because the kicker of it, as you probably know, is there's no restrictions, right? So they can still have their wine, dark chocolate, popcorn, whatever. So I really consider it the first step in someone's diet. Um, You know, I kind of say, I have a joke. It's like, if you aren't doing 800 gram challenge, I think I had in my post yesterday, like, I don't really know what you're eating. Well, I know what you're eating, but (laughs) it's like, to me, it's so foundational to a diet that it, it kind of has to be there. Yeah. I I mean, I agree with you. I think it's simple. It's, it's an easy number that people can get in their head of, Hey, okay. I don't have the restrictions. You know, I literally just need to hit this 800 grams and yeah, maybe a scale and weighing your food can initially be intimidating, but once you get in that habit, it's really simplistic. Like you see in all of your posts and all of your stories of writing down whatever they were adding up for the day and boom, you hit your goal. Yeah, totally. And of course, even for the more mainstream, less interested in weighing it, you know, it's six cups, it's six cups of non-leafy green stuff. Salad still counts, but just doesn't weigh much. Um, So yeah, if you really don't want to do that, you know, it's six closed fists. So I try to make it as accessible as possible. And I think that's where the coaching influence has really helped. You know, you understand as a coach, like you kind of have to meet people where they are. 
And I think that's where a lot of diets have missed the mark is they kind of jump three steps ahead. Um, and, and no surprise, you're going to have a lot of drop off. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. It's just <laughs> that you're not taking the, the action steps necessary to build the habits. You're just jumping straight into the habits that are not going to be sustainable. Totally. And so with, so, go ahead. No, I was just going to then go into the lazy macros if yeah. you want me to. That'd okay. be great. Um, so I kind of consider lazy macros the next step from the 800 gram challenge. You know, the 800 gram challenge doesn't address protein. So of course, in the CrossFit community, it's like, what about protein, right? And I agree, protein's important. And so I consider lazy macros the next step, if you will, and that's to add a protein target. Protein can be variable, but the number I throw out there, my magic number is 0.7 grams of protein per pound of body weight. Just start there. Let's see what happens. And then we can tweak it. And those are your two checkpoints in the day. You get your 800 grams of fruits and veggies, you get your protein target, and you can track it on a post-it note. You don't need a fancy app, but use one if you want. And that's it. And again, you're not restricting anything. Now, of course, with both of these approaches, the not restricting anything, yeah, because you accumulate enough fruits and veggies and because you accumulate enough protein, you generally are pushing out these other snack foods that we eat too much of. So it ends up being some restriction or elimination just by food volume you know, in the day. But it's not like you have to weigh and measure everything, and it's not like you have to give up anything. Yeah, I mean, it's like that's what I tell folks is, you know, you're not going to have like quote unquote room to eat your your crackers and your cheese and your pepperoni or whatever it is at the end of the day because 800 grams. If you're eating this typical standard American diet, that's going to seem like an immense amount of food, and you're not going to be hungry or craving those things. <laughs> Totally. Yeah, exactly. And that's why a lot of people experience weight loss, of course, right? So you might not, I know people have gained weight on it um, because we aren't tracking everything. And that is one of the problems with it. But for most people, yeah, they end up pushing out all those goodies. <laughs> yeah. And with those 800 grams, do you have any stipulations or not even stipulations because there's no really rules to it? Do you have any recommendations in regards to out of 800 how much of it should be vegetables versus fruit or anything along those lines? I really don't. Um, uh, beyond the idea that try to keep it as diverse as possible. Um, you know, the more colors, the more different things, not just in one day, but across all days, the better. But one of the reasons why I don't add a lot of those rules is I just think it adds a level of complexity that either there's drop off or not necessary. So, you know, the whole fruit versus veggie thing, veggies are great. I love veggies, but some of the reasons like people think they're so much better because they have this higher micronutrient density, right? Like you get so much more zinc per gram. Well, it also turns out that veggies have, you eat less of a veggie serving just because you just don't eat a whole entire plate of kale. You normally have like 50 grams where you can eat more fruit volume. So what you end up getting micronutrient-wise actually might be more in the fruit, depending, of course, on which micronutrient we're talking about, just based on normal serving sizes. So some of this, like veggies are better than fruit, or you can only have um, this type of food, I think gets a little bit, um, you know, doesn't totally understand how it applies when we actually eat it. And then the other thing is like, life, right? Like I've, I've done a lot of traveling, like some days, like the best you can do are going to be two apples and orange and three bananas. And guess what? That is so much better than so many other choices that people are making every day. So I hate to put in all these rules that I think don't really matter. Because um, here's the one other thing too with that, if I may. Of course. Um, like people sort of will implement their own level of diversity because there's only so many days of only bananas you want. So there's also some of that built in too. Like I know every day, no one's only going to eat kale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just really hard to do, right? From a monotony perspective. And so I don't feel like I need to micromanage that process. Now, of course, encourage diversity, but I think we have to start kind of just seeing the bigger picture a little bit. Yeah, I completely agree. I think I've told folks too, you know, if the worst thing that's happening in your day is you're eating 700 grams of fruit, and only 100 grams of vegetables, you're in a pretty good place compared to the standard American. <laughs> totally, 100%. And people are shocked by that. They're like, I can do this on all fruit. I'm like, yeah, it's like 130 grams of carbs. I'm going to tell you, you are crushing the American diet right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You're in a much better place than anybody else who's eating the processed, refined, frozen stuff. And mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's awesome. And 
I like that you incorporated the the protein into the lazy macros. And was that something you found over time? You decided that was kind of like the stepping stone. You introduced folks to 800 grams and then decided, hey, the next step is lazy macros? Or was that always kind of a concept you had? I mean, it definitely was um, kind of developed over time as 800 gram challenge grew. And I was like, yeah, I really haven't addressed protein. How do I want to address protein? And then it kind of came with the same way, like, hey, let's put a target on it of like a minimum standard and not exclude anything kind of as this step two. Now it doesn't, that doesn't mean we're done. That doesn't mean everyone's going to see results after lazy macros, but again, taking this sort of coaching philosophy to it, this is my progression. This is the progression I use with one-on-one clients. It's also the progression I use in my courses, but yeah, first step 800 G second step, lazy macros. Yeah. Awesome. And now I know you probably get this question and people have asked me about it in regards to the 800 gram challenge. You know, why are you not addressing fat in any way, both in the 800 grams or in the lazy macros? Yeah, they're not perfect systems. They're not. Um, And this is one of the things that is true for every single diet out there, except for macros. Um, They're all approximation systems. They all are. Paleo, keto, no sugar, whole 30, 800 gram challenge, lazy macros. They're all approximation systems. We're not controlling for everything. Why? because people don't like to weigh and measure their food. <laughs> so we're trying to get as close as possible to the results that we could get by weighing and measuring without weighing and measuring. Yeah. Um, people don't like to weigh and measure. They also don't like to be told no on certain foods. So what I've done is, hey, can I take some approximation systems and get us pretty darn close? That's the idea with 800 gram challenge. That's the idea with lazy macros. Can you gain weight on either? Yes, you can, because nothing's restricted. Can you eat too much fat? Yes, you can. Um, so really, if people aren't seeing the results from 800 gram challenge, lazy macros, and this is true with any diet, I do encourage them to go to macros. And I do mm-hmm. consider that my next step in this quote progression. Um, even if you already have reached your goals, I love people to do macros at least for kind of a two week, four week period, just for the learning process alone, just to understand food at that kind of granular level. But ultimately, that's where we will address fat quite clearly. (laughs) We will very much look at fat and you'll see quite quickly, oh, wow, I had way too much fat in protein bars or something like that. Um, But again, I don't start there. That's not where people want to start. That's not where people are willing to start. And maybe by having enough fruits and veggies and enough protein, I'm pushing out enough fat. And that's sort of the hope and ends up true for a good number of people. And that's exactly what I was just going to say is, based off of just the volume of the food you're eating with the fruits and vegetables and the protein, you're definitely not overeating fat unless you're eating just really fatty sources of protein. If anything, you're probably under eating in your calories and fat. Exactly. And so what happens with that protein multiplier at 0.7 is that if you want to hit that, you're not doing it with bacon, you're not doing it with cheese, (laughs) you're not doing it with protein bars, you're going to have to do it with lean protein sources or protein powders, right? Yeah. And so that's why it's high. Now, it's actually not that high relative to some other ones. But that's why, you know, it's higher than let's say the RDA or something, because yeah, kind of inherently built into that, you're not going to be doing it based on like bacon. (laughs) Right? Yeah, you're getting quality protein sources. Cool. And so now with the with the entire challenge, everything we just talked about, you mentioned that you're, you know, the cross of people are your people. And so you're kind of in that, that scene a little bit more in the affiliate. Do you, do you also incorporate this into the corporate wellness world? Do you do any one-on-one work or is the affiliate or the small micro gym, so to speak, the bulk of your clientele? So far it's generally, um, CrossFit gyms, although I also have directed consumer products where we go through that same progression. Now it's not truly one-on-one, but there is a Facebook group and I do lead people through kind of that progression and answer questions. I'm highly interactive. So it's not like, you know, it's totally on their own. Um, but I had done corporate wellness with Reebok, um, and I had done one-on-one. It's just not my focus. I kind of want to get mass education out there on some really basic stuff. And so that's why I've kind of gone these online course routes. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. And with, uh, this is kind of a side note, but with the whole online course, was that like a whole different beast when you started trying to tackle that? Did you think, holy cow, what did I get myself into? You know, uh, yes and no. Um, yes, because it was all on me and like, you know, the idea and all of that stuff and making sure the content was right. But I also had a, um, a good amount of experience because of CrossFit, right? Designing courses, implementing courses, designing courses that need to be accredited, um, writing new courses from scratch, <laughs> updating courses, <laughs> lecturing, you know, so 
it's funny how you see kind of life start putting its pieces together over time, right? And like, wow, that was, that was really actually a, you know, not that I didn't love the experience when I was in it, but just sort of in hindsight, it's like, wow, that was exactly the prep that I wanted to do for now what I ultimately launched, right? Yeah, full circle, <laughs> right? Cool. And so awesome. So now what I want to do is kind of shift the conversation over. We talked about sort of your approach with optimizing nutrition, um, some of the experiences within CrossFit. And uh, we both come from like that same realm, you being in it much longer than I have been and having the more experience and more knowledge. So now I kind of want to look at big picture stuff. You know, we, we talked about in the beginning, all the noise that's out there in the health and fitness world as it relates to nutrition and even training programs, et cetera. But right now, from your standpoint, what do you think is the biggest issue that we're experiencing in that entire world of nutrition and fitness? Yeah, I mean, I guess nutrition and fitness could have different answers. So I'll tackle nutrition first. Although fitness, actually fitness could fit in this one too. Um, I think it's this lack of understanding kind of the principles versus methods. And um, I kind of did an Ignite talk on this, but you know, people see these different diets or they're marketed these different diets, like the celery juice diet or um, paleo or whatever it is, intermittent fasting. And they see them understandably so as these huge different ideas that are totally new and radical. And wow, everything I thought I knew was wrong. Right. But when we start understanding some really basic concepts in physiology, we can see, oh, wow, these diets are more similar than they are different. And so that's some of my main voice is really trying to help people understand that. Um, you know, quality and quantity, of course, are two big parts of that. And just seeing that how all these diets are just kind of different riffs off the same two concepts over and over again. Um, so that's what I would love to see people in the nutrition space doing. You know, I like my message. I like my ideas. I think they're good, good and helpful and all that stuff, but they're not perfect for everybody. I don't have a, like, I'm not against people that really love paleo. I'm like, great, you know, keep it up. I have much bigger issues to worry about than somebody like really wanting to like skip out on white potato. <laughs> I'm just not <laughs> that worried about it, you know? Um, but I see there's so much division because everyone's like, no, no, my diet's better or my diet's better. But it's like, Hey, how about we help people understand why they're similar, why they're seeing results and then just like help them get success there. And I would say the same thing's true with fitness. You know, I mean, CrossFit sees a lot of results for very specific reasons. Like let's help people understand that. Right. Yeah. No, I love that answer. We, Ashley and I talk about that all the time is, and you see this from, from multiple people on whether it be Instagrams, other social media that know what they're talking about and that are disseminating the right message. You see what they're saying. You can see that they're getting at this idea of understanding the principles of, Hey, you might've done paleo, or you might've done plant-based or keto or the whole 30 but the reason you saw results isn't because that of, of that particular diet. It's probably because you were in a caloric deficit. It's probably because you were expending more energy in addition to the caloric deficit. So I think that's really important is making people or helping people understand that, yes, your best friend, Susie, may have lost 30 pounds doing keto, but it wasn't because it was keto or it likely right. wasn't because it was keto. Yeah. And it's also understanding that a lot of times people when they have this wild success on the diet it's because their rules of that diet aligned with kind of their non-negotiables like some people are way better at saying i'll never eat x and then other people are way better at saying i'll only eat a small amount of x or something like that right these aren't these like big differences in our physiology this is just like it happened to work out well with how they live their life and their beliefs right so just helping bring clarity to all that um for sure <laughs> for sure and unfortunately i think what happens and i don't think it's necessarily always this malicious marketing thing but i do think people do see wild success on a diet like keto or like paleo and that's what fuels their like no my diet is better but they still don't have that kind of level of understanding to say like oh it's because i just did why that you know that's why i saw the success yeah and what have you found through your experiences to be the best way to combat all of that noise? Like, is it just through simplistic messaging on your platforms? Is it through your courses? Is it actual direct conversations with clients and individuals? Or, you know, what's the best way to go about talking to folks about that without sounding as the authoritative, hey, you don't know what you're talking about figure? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I try to take that tone of... Um you know, if you saw success, great, because I am, I'm genuine about that. I don't, 
you know, if you really want to do intermittent fasting, I'm not against it. I just want you to understand why you may or may not have results from it. So I try to keep that tone with my education. I also have just experience doing it myself. You know, I've tried all the different diets out there. And then I also um, live it. Like I don't, you know, oftentimes on my social media, I'm posting what I'm eating. You know, <laughs> it's like I'm trying to also be practicing what I'm preaching or I am practicing what I'm preaching um, so that it's like kind of this whole thing. I have the experience. I'm also doing it. And then I, I try not to be that combative about it. And and hopefully that's that resonates with people. <laughs> yeah, no, I, mean, I don't think there's any better way to do it. We we try to do the same thing with our clients. Is hey, we're we're doing the same workouts you guys are. We're we're tracking the same way we would ask you to, or at least implementing some of those similar you know procedures into what we're eating. And you know, then people will buy into it because if you're walking the walk and talking the talk, then they're going to, that improves credibility. They're going to trust you and it's going to lead to a relationship that will hopefully push them toward whatever their goals are. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool. And now continuing on the same conversation for the majority of people out there and maybe your answer will be biased because obviously the 800 gram challenge might be the answer. However, what do you think the majority of people should be focusing on as it relates to their nutrition? Yeah. I mean, of course I'm going to say the 800 gram challenge. Um, if you don't have a baseline level of fruits and veggies, I have no, no clue what you're eating. I mean, again, I know what you're eating, but, um, it's, it's too far afield. Um, yeah, but I, th I think there's just this, uh, you know, attraction to things like supplements or I need to be fasting or I need to be working out fasted or all these things. And it's like, we all know what works. I mean, everyone knows broccoli is healthy everyone knows fruits and veggies are healthy. So let's kind of keep avoiding that and let's just dig in and do that and do it in a way that's manageable and doesn't require perfection. So that is really where I put the emphasis, of course, then next on protein. Um, because I, I just don't see there's any way around it. <laughs> I think it has to be there. <laughs> yeah. And, there, and there's probably not, like you said, you're not there. That gets into the whole gimmick and fad thing is trying to find ways around the actual solution. And like you said, there's not a way around it. <laughs> Just totally. got to work your way to it. And now let's shift gears slightly in regards to like the fitness profession and the experiences that you and I both have mm -hmm. and incorporating nutrition into that. Do you think that we're doing some folks a disservice depending on how we're bringing them into these fitness communities in terms of prioritizing the fitness first versus, Hey, let's sit down and really look at what you're eating. Let's talk about quality, quantity of foods and really try to fix you from the foundation up. Yeah. That's a really great question. Um, no, I don't think people are doing a disservice. I think, you know, it kind of comes back to this idea of you have to meet people where they are. And if they're first interested in their health because of fitness, great. Let's get them in the door, right? I think that's where we can't be so locked on our ways that we have to be like, it has to be the 800 gram challenge first. I mean, if we get somebody in the doors and they really want to do keto, all right, here we go. You know, <laughs> um, you know, when you're kind of sick of not being able to eat anything, talk to me, right? But that's it. You know, you have to kind of take your wins where you can get them. I will say also that, and this is actually something I'm working on now, and it's kind of already out there with my gym challenges, but I also really feel for the gym owner and the affiliate owner. Like I said this recently, I think it's like, what other business out there, if you take this analogy and look at like a car repair stop, a store, whatever, car repair place, um, clearly I'm really into cars, <laughs> <laughs> a car repair shop, like their ability to repair your car has nothing to do with what you do after you leave your car there. They have good technicians, they do their work, you show up and it's done. A gym, you know, your ability to get your members results has so much to do with without what they're doing outside the gym. Gym owners quickly realize this and then they're like, shoot, I opened a fitness place because I like fitness. I'm not the nutrition expert and I hear that all the time. And so I feel for them because it's like they now are stuck in this place of now, well, now I have to offer nutrition services if I really want my members to get results. And I'm trying actually working on that. Partially my gyms are one stop gap measure for that. And I'm working on another product to come out that gyms can offer nutrition through me just continuously because it's like, why should they now have to also offer nutrition when that wasn't their specialty or interest. Now, if they want to do it, great. I'm not trying to take their market, but I'm just sort of saying that it is interesting. It's like, 
you know, the car repair place doesn't also have to open a nutrition. <laughs> yeah, they don't have to come and teach you how to business. drive, right? <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's a closer analogy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's a perfect example. It's like they don't now have to do two business models. Um, and I think the fitness industry has, you know, they're under that stress. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that really just came, at least became more prominent, like within this industry of, Hey, there needs to be this side of the equation, you know, because I, when I think back, just when I started in 2012, you know, there was talk of nutrition and yes, it's important. It's within the level one. However, there really wasn't a ton of emphasis on it. You know, the, the people who were really into it were probably doing zone or doing paleo. Mm -hmm. And then everybody Mm -hmm. else was just kind of, you know, like, screw it. We'll figure it out as we get there. And uh, I think just within the last couple of years, it really became, you know, hey, this has to be part of your business model if you want to be profitable, if you want to generate additional revenue to pay your coaches, to take care of your people, et cetera. You know, it's interesting. I do think it opens up a new revenue stream for people, right? Like, of course, you're doing more services, you have uh, more clientele. I get it. But I also think there's a percentage of gyms that don't want to deal with it. I mean, I think they'd prefer that nutrition was something like hiring the person to clean the gym, right? It's just like, that's not, I mean, I've got, you know, hundred other things to worry about running a business. Why do I have to become the nutrition expert? So I, I think there's multiple ways to skin this cat. You know, if you have coaches that really want to do it, it can expand your revenue, but it also is something that requires work to build a program and knowledge and expertise right. and all that stuff, you know, quite well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could, like you said, there's, I think there's really two ways to go about it. You either outsource it and incorporate it into your business, or you decide to invest the time, the energy into, and the money into it to build it into part of your business model. And I think either one can work. Like you said, it doesn't, there's not a right or wrong answer, but I do think it should be incorporated in some way and at least getting people exposed to this concept. I always tell folks, Hey, there, there's a problem. If Jack has been coming to your gym for five years and he's still 35 pounds overweight, you know, there, there's a disconnect somewhere. And it's probably, like you said, outside of the gym. It's probably in their lifestyle and what they're eating. And in order to truly help people stay healthy and improve their functionality and longevity, we have to address that side of things. Yeah, I mean, but as you know, nutrition has a pretty big psychological (laughs) component to it. So I also am like, kind of also have to wait till the person's ready, right? I mean, I get that question a lot. How do I convince my loved one to change? You have research to show so-and-so that they're wrong, <laughs> you know? And it's like, you know, you can talk all you want, but until the person's willing to try it, you know, it might not work. So you might have members that don't make progress for a while, but as long as you have services there and you make it known that this is an important part, then when they're ready, then you can help them, right? Yeah, no, I agree with that as well. You're not, you're definitely not going to force anyone into it. Like, nutrition is, is a whole different beast, especially. I mean, some some folks who come to the gym, maybe they don't like fitness initially, but they have the the community and the camaraderie, the class, and they have other things that maybe keep them coming. Even if it's just their spouse saying like, "Hey, you better get your ass there." But with totally. nutrition, that's a whole different beast. Of hey, you're at home, you're away from us no one's probably holding you accountable. And, you know, that gets into like a whole different side of coaching and the, like you said, the psychology and, you know, it's almost like a lifestyle coach versus just a a movement coach. Totally. And, you know, that's exactly though why my first two steps don't have um, restrictions, right? Like, uh, I know that nutrition is this beast, right? (laughs) I know it's hard to deal with. So why am I going to start with telling people, no, you can't have any beer. I mean, like, what do I want like most people to drop out or do I want most people to see some progress? And I think that's the same thing that we do with coaching, right? It's like somebody comes in and they don't have a muscle up. We're like, well, not, well, I guess this isn't for you. We are like, well, let's figure out what you can do. And so that has to be the same approach with nutrition. Yeah, absolutely. You're not like, that's a perfect analogy of you don't turn someone away who comes in your doors because they're not fit enough, or at least you shouldn't. <laughs> like you, you scale, Correct. you modify, you meet them where they're at, and same goes for the nutrition side. You know, we have that a lot with our our folks that we work with. Most people have never even heard of, you know, what a macro is. They don't know what a protein, carbon, fat is. They don't understand anything in regards to quality and quantity. So you have to have a plan of action to get them from complete, you know, novice to baby steps of, Hey, I, I drank 80 ounces of water today. Totally. 
Yeah. 100%. <laughs> awesome. And now, so to sort of wrap things up here, and it's not this simple, but we're going to try to make it. If if sure. someone came to you or came to me and knew nothing about nutrition, knew nothing about quality and quantity of foods, had never paid attention to what they ate, and they wanted to work with you, they wanted to, they were willing to address mm-hmm. their nutrition and also maybe engage in fitness. What would be our process, let's say like a three-step process to get someone from not doing anything to moving themselves toward greater health? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would start with the 800 gram challenge. I wouldn't call it that. I wouldn't tell them about the scale. It'd be the six cups. I'd show them their hand, you know, six of these guys a day. Um, we're going to work up to that and we're going to probably work up to it over a few months and we're going to see where you are. And then after that, I would say I need three meals where you have, I don't even know if I'd say 30 grams of protein, a palm size serving of protein. And, you know, when you have breakfast, lunch, and dinner, you need to have 30 grams of protein or about a palm size. Um, and then after that, I might go to exercise. I probably would go to exercise. I, you know, find something that you like to do. I don't care if it's dancing. I don't care if it's golf and your walk. I don't care. I don't care what it is. So. <laughs> yeah, just some kind of activity. Find some. Yeah, some type of activity that you like to do, and I want you to do it four days a week, you know, or five days a week, something like that. If it's the steps per day, and you feel like you can really do that, great. If it's CrossFit, great. I don't really care what it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's awesome hearing you say that because I tell folks that all the time. Is yes, you and I both do CrossFit. We love it. It mm-hmm. got us to where we're at now in terms of our professional career, but as great as it is, I don't care if you do it. I want you to do whatever you're physically capable of and whatever you enjoy, because that's what's going to be sustainable. And that's what's going to keep you consistent mm-hmm. across time. You know, we don't have to do totally. high intensity every day. I just want to see you doing something, living a physically active lifestyle every day. Yeah. I mean, you know, I still think CrossFit is for fitness goals going to be the most effective for many applications, not of course all. But yeah, I mean, it's just like if 70% of people in the U.S. are overweight or or obese, it's just like, I don't care what you do. (laughs) (laughs) You know, what's I think what's a little bit frustrating about that is I've um, spent some more time recently at um, kind of traditional chain gyms just based on my current schedule. And I do see a lot of people that aren't quite making a lot of progress, right? They're kind of the example of somebody you said that maybe six months in, they don't kind of look the same. I think that's what's frustrating to me when I say go do anything in that um, they might not, they might be willing to put in the time and they don't understand why their choice isn't getting the results. So that's what kind of gets me down about that. But I still have to know that if they really like the elliptical and they hate running that I'd still rather them on elliptical, right? So it's kind of that trade-off that comes with all things in nutrition and fitness. You do have to just sort of accept some level of that imperfection. And hopefully at some point you can offer some education or some insight. Yeah, exactly. And it's also one of those things like we had mentioned earlier with nutrition. If they do the, the elliptical and they that's their jam, getting on there every day for 30 minutes, reading a book, totally. you're not going to convince them that that's not an effective means until they're ready to hear what you have to say. Yes, Because exactly. that's, that's their bread and butter. So they're not going to give that up just because you think you have a more, or maybe you know there's a more effective means, but they don't believe in what you're what you're telling them. Correct. (laughs) Yeah. Well, with everything you just said, I love all three of those. And I think one thing I want to kind of come back to real quick is I love that with the 800 gram challenge, you said that we'll get them to eat those six cups. And over the course of a few months, we'll try to make that happen. And I think that's something that a lot of folks need to know up front, like we talked about in the beginning, is it is going to take time. We're not going to have, you're not going to be able to eat 800 grams for a week and then be ready, you know, for the next step and be ready to t- tackle the next, the next step in the process. Totally. Yeah. And that's, what's hard about this, right? It's like, we're trying to sell fruits and vegetables in the long term. I mean, it's, like, <laughs> yeah, it's really not sexy, but yes, that's where the results are. Yeah, no. And so if we're looking at these steps, you know, we're talking, maybe it's three months of consistency with the 800 gram challenge. Then we're asking them to eat three meals that have a palm sized portion of protein well, that's probably another two or three months to get mm-hmm. consistency and develop that habit. So, you know, we're talking six months before we even really start to get into the activity side of things to where now the caloric deficit that we're likely in just from changing our 
foods that we're eating, yeah. plus the exercise is really going to start to produce results. And so, and I'd be, I'm sorry. Can no, go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, and I'm willing to switch those based on what the client's sort of telling me or showing me, right? If you have the person who's like, I go to the gym every day. I mean, maybe we start there. Yeah. Right. Like, I think that's where we have to be a little bit flexible. It's like, or maybe the person really hates protein or they're the vegan, not against them, but that's going to be a harder sell. So it's like, okay, well, let's figure out what we can do and where, because if we can also start getting them results, then they're also going to be more interested in trying your ways. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They're going to buy into what you're selling, uh, so to speak. And yeah, I agree. It doesn't matter what order you're implementing them in, but I just think it's important that people understand up front like, hey, this is going to be six plus months to get us basically just to reset the whole system and get yeah. us to where we need to be in terms of healthy, sustainable habits that will keep going as we continue through this process. Correct. <laughs> yeah. It's it's quite the task, but it's awesome. You know, I really, as just a fitness coach, I never really understood or didn't have enough exposure to the patients, I think, of getting people to buy into it. Cause like you said, some people are really into fitness and especially back in 2012, 13, 14, anybody that walked into your affiliate probably knew what CrossFit was and was probably already relatively fit. Cause those were the kind of people that we were attracting. And mm -hmm. so they were, they bought in immediately versus now we're finding the overweight and the obese folks who have never exercised mm -hmm. And that entire psychological side and the entire side of habit formation and lifestyle modification is a much bigger role in mm -hmm. today's like onboarding of an individual versus back then. And I think it's it's a really good experience and it's really valuable in terms of learning how to work with people, meet them where they're at, and actually make substantial like improvements. Totally. Totally. And all of those lessons can be carried over to nutrition. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, they're, they're completely intertwined now that that's happening more in fitness and especially with nutrition. And it helps that Ashley and I, she's primarily nutrition, um, primarily oh, right. fitness. And so then we have to intertwine because what's happening with Susie in regards to nutrition might be affecting the fitness and vice versa. And um, it's been a cool dynamic that way. Very cool. Now, uh, if folks want to find out more about Optimize Me Nutrition, or maybe it's take some of your courses or get some of your content. Like, where can they find you? What options do you have for them, services, et cetera? Sure. Yeah, OptimizeMeNutrition.com has got everything. That's where I've got my gym challenges and also my other courses. Of course, that same handle on all social media. Um, and yeah, one of the things that I'd like to mention is that my B2C course, which is my master class, um, includes an eight-week diet program. I help people through that live in a Facebook group, and I'm kicking off the next cohort on April 13th because I think some of us have some at-home time in the current um, situation with the pandemic. <laughs> so I think it's a great time for people to focus on nutrition. And so if they're interested in that, just optimize me, nutrition.com, join, and I'd love to help you through that process. That's awesome. I, we, you and I talked about that briefly. And yeah, now's the perfect time. Everybody has more time on their hands. And if you're trying to change your lifestyle and make these changes that you typically don't have time for, quote unquote, then mm -hmm. you, know, you may as well come out on the other side of this thing as a healthier individual versus spending the next six months possibly just wasting your time or being stagnant. Totally. Or even worse, only because of stress eating, obviously, and all that other stuff sitting around. Yeah. Yeah. Or just, I think we made a post the other day and we just said, hey, you're not hungry, you're bored. Totally. <laughs> and it's so true now. But all right. Well, EC, thank you so much for being on. It was awesome. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on and telling people a little bit more about you and Optimize Me Nutrition. And, uh, you know, we're both on similar paths of trying to help people. So it's been awesome chatting with you today. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's been great.